Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexually diverse communities. Coming to you from Joy's Victorian Pride Centre studios on Boonwarren Country, I'm your host, Michael Whelan, joined this week with Rachel Cook on the line. Rachel, welcome back. It's been a, it's been a double episode for you and I. I know. Here we are again. Here we are again. We have been discussing both last week and this week things happening over the Midsummer Pride Festival Last week, of course, we were talking about the both the Gay Men's Periodic Survey and the Women's Survey happening at Carnival and continuing to happen for a couple of weeks here, both online and in some of our venues. As well, we were fortunate enough to talk to the gang from The Rainbow Tree, um, one of the Midsummer shows. And this week, um, we're being very selfish, Rachel. We're talking about a couple of events that we are running over Midsummer. We are. And I think that whilst we're being selfish, I'm going to say that I think that they're great shows and they're really um, community-based and pretty important events, I'd also say. I think so too. Tonight we are hearing about uh, one of our midsummer shows, No Pride in Racism, which is a community panel on sexualized racism in LGBTIQA plus communities, where community leaders and spokespeople will share their thoughts and perspectives on sexualized racism in the community, from fighting stigma, uh, stigmatizing language on the apps to online dating spaces, sex and premises venues, uh, to responding to microaggressions, fetishizations of racial identity. So a relatively heavy topic. Um, and here to talk about that will be uh, Sam Gaskin, who is hosting and emceeing the event for us, who is uh, probably no stranger to people within community. Um, Sam was on the most recent season of The Bent Spoon, cooking a Nigerian beef stew, uh, and is also a fantastic entertainer and performer in his own right. So that will be coming up. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. We are now joined by Sam Gaskin, an accomplished musical artist, actor, creator and passionate agent of change. Sam has taken out four Melbourne Fringe Awards, including Best Emerging Indigenous Artist. Samuel recently featured in Season 3 of The Bent Spoon and joins us to explore culture and combating racism in the community. Sam, welcome to Well, Well, Well. How are you today? Oh, I'm not too shabby. Thank you for asking. We love a not too shabby. Thank you so much for joining us to kind of pre-unpack some of these issues that we're going to be touching on uh, in the event No Pride in Racism, which we will get into in just a little bit. But Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself and your entertaining and advocacy background. Samuel uh, my name is Samuel Gaskin, and I am extremely grateful to be a guest on Wurundjeri land, living and thriving and creating artwork here. And yeah, these days I call myself a creator and change agent because it means I don't have to say singer-songwriter slash actor slash 
those slash 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 things. But you are, <laughs> but you are indeed all so, of those things. It is a, it is a very ni- nice, neat little title when you've got word economy at play. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, creator and change agent just hits all those things that I'm doing all the time. I was just going to ask, can you explain to us, like, what, what does change maker mean to you? Well, a change agent is somebody who, a uh, yeah, a change agent is somebody who's not just putting music out there to be like, hi guys, listen to my voice. I'm a really good singer. Um, it's somebody who has thought about the message and uh, what they would like to see the world look like. Um, and yeah, imbued their work with that. Yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic term. It is indeed. Yeah. Um, now, Sam, I want to launch into um, kind of our main topic that we're going to be talking about today, which is we're looking at combating racism, in particular sexualized racism within queer communities, within our LGBTIQA plus rainbow communities. Now, your family background is Nigerian and Maori. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and I guess how that informs how you navigate the queer community? Is there a vast, vastly different attitude or acceptance of queer folk in Nigerian versus Māori cultures? Well, I feel like I can only speak from my own personal experience. Um, I do have Māori blood from my mum's side of the family and Nigerian blood from my dad's side. Um, I also have some Welsh English in there too, so I'm a, a mix of all the best bits. Um, but yeah, personally, I connect and have had more to do with my mum's side of the family because um, that's who I grew up living with. Um, and I go to dad's on the weekend. But I do, yeah, I do feel like my experience uh, has been that the the Māori community um, has, always had uh, queerness involved. Pakatapui uh, uh, is a word um, for queer um, and uh, queer people have always been called Pakatapui in Māori culture. And yeah, it's just kind of, I feel like it's not a new thing. Um, and when I look at my Nigerian side of the family, I think in terms of my experience, it took a lot more explaining um, to my dad. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that's just because of how he grew up over there. But that's been my experience. Mm. And, and most of us would probably uh, I would probably agree or understand that racism is a pervasive element in society generally. How pervasive is racism and sexualized racism within LGBTI communities in Australia? Again, this is from your your understanding or your perspective. Well, I, I feel like just the the way people in Australia feel like they can write things um, on things like dating apps, like you know, no Asian, no black, no fat, no femme all that type of thing, I, I, I think that's a real indicator of um, how fine we still are with racism here. And, yeah, um, it's, let's just say, in, in my eyes, we've, we've got a long way to go. Mm. 
And, and yeah. Sam, I know this is not a new thing. I, I know years ago writing an article um, interviewing people about this issue um, around dating apps and the sort of this sort of really heinous language that that is used. But what's been sort of your experience personally with that, and, and how do you deal with it? My experience personally with it, and the way I deal with it, is I just continue to be amazing. And I shine regardless because at the end of the day, if somebody feels like they need to write um, no Asian, black, fat, thin, whatever it is um, on a profile, then to me, there's something that they hate within themselves so much. They feel like if they can other somebody else, they might feel better. And that's just not the way it works. So the way I combat it is I just be my amazing, beautiful, queer, black, fabulous self um, and make sure that I'm happy in my heart. Yeah, by, by presenting your truest, most authentic self, it's, a, it's an act of advocacy in and of itself in that regard, I guess. Um, I wanted to ask about, obviously, we've touched on those things like, you know, not, not into Asians, no rice, no spice, all those really inflammatory terms that people can use on the apps but not all sexualized racism mm. is presented as dismissive sometimes um you know people don't see it as a problem and they're, they're fetishizing people you know seeking out particularly black men because they're presumed to be you know well endowed or asian men because they're presumed to be submissive or in or, or effeminate how harmful are these kinds of attitudes when we're talking about our kind of socio-sexual relationships i think it's extremely harmful because not only are, are, are people fetishizing others, but they're also presuming a lot of things. And I think when you presume something about somebody, you're immediately not giving them the opportunity to be their authentic self because uh, you're placing your expectations on them. And I think you're going to miss out. Mm. And for those people that don't, you know, that don't uh, meet up to those stereotypes, so say they're a, you know, a black guy that isn't particularly well endowed, does that does that hinder your kind of engagement on, you know, thinking about the apps or in bars or in clubs that you're kind of, society has almost set you up to not fail, but they've set you up with an expectation that you're going to present A and actually your B or your C or your Q or your dollar sign. Look, uh, I can I, again. I can only speak from personal experience, and I'm quite good at um, picking up on uh, energy and and, uh, and the energy that somebody might be presenting to me when they're first meeting me. Um, and, and if I pick up on uh, any sort of fetishization uh, jam. I ran the other way um, because it, it just shows me where they're at in terms of um, how evolved they are in their view on the world and how much work they've, they've done on themselves. So, um, yeah, they miss out on my awesomeness because <laughs> I run the other way and that's the way I deal with it. Because, um, girl, I don't have time. I do not have time to see anyone fetish or to um, school anyone these days. I'm way too busy. Yeah. And I guess, you know, this is the importance of, you know, having this forum that we're going to have around these subjects because I guess while, as you say, and 
you are under no obligation and no one is to have to educate someone around racism. When we're coming to these conversations and, and some of the things that we have to bring up, you know, what is a great way of actually broaching these conversations? Well, again, I can only speak from my experience and the way I do it is I love to use humour um, because it puts less um, emotional labour on me um, and, uh, yeah, I think it just, it, it lightens it a little bit. So, you know, I love to say things like, oh, I didn't realise it was still the 1920s or, um, yeah, just bring a little bit of humour into the mix when I am, you know, politely schooling somebody, <laughs> but also kind of handballing the work to them as well. Um, yeah, getting them to do the work as opposed to you sitting them down and educating them. It's it's up to them well, to... Yeah, exactly, because uh, if they have to have a little bit of a think about something and look into it a little bit more, it's going to be much more helpful than me sitting them down and schooling them um, because... Also, at the same time, they might not be ready for that lesson. So it's about conserving energy as a person of colour for me in that scenario. Sam, what impact do uh, personal narratives of our peers have on progressing a dialogue on this topic? Obviously, we're going to have some speakers along to share their own personal stories of how they've combated or responded to you know, sexualized racism. How important is it that we kind of talk about these issues? Uh, I think it's very important because uh, often uh, if those stories aren't shared, it's quite easy for people to walk around with their blinkers on. Um, And uh, if they're not being affected directly, um, not necessarily need to look any further. And um, as somebody who holds a a lot of empathy in their heart. I think whenever I hear somebody share a personal story that comes from a real place, um, I'm able to uh, connect and um, feel excited about, okay, cool, what work can I do in this scenario to help? And and, and for for non-BIPOC people like myself, how can we be better allies to people who do experience do experience this kind of racism and also sexualized racism? I think um, for non POC folk, uh, it's about uh, speaking up and realizing that uh, not necessarily speaking up or saying anything in certain scenarios is actually a privilege. Um, so the more you can take on a little bit more of that uh, load and be the person who's in the room who's saying something rather than waiting for a POC person to say something, um, that's doing our community a great service in that it just helps ease the load a little bit. You know, often I hear, oh, I'm just not quite sure what to say or... um, or sometimes I feel really awkward in those conversations. And it's just about um, practicing being somebody who says something and, and speaks up um, the same way that you would uh, speak up. So, you know, 
a queer friend if they needed. Yeah. I've been, I've been in spaces where I've I've felt that awkwardness and I felt that trepidation around calling out behavior. You know, I've been in bars where someone says, oh, that guy's really, you know, attractive for an, an Indian guy or oh, um, I won't hook up with that guy because yeah. he's Asian and he must be a bottom and I'm a bottom so it won't work without obviously ever having that conversation with people. And you can feel that, you know, the white people in that space have a sort of like, oh, I've recognized that and that was the wrong thing to say, but I don't have the maybe they feel like they don't have the the tools that they need to call out that behavior or call it in to have a conversation. I guess what can we do in those kinds of settings to broach those topics? Say anything, uh, say something. Um, and, and that's why I speak about practicing um, because if you continue to be quiet and not say anything at all, uh, you don't have the opportunity to explore how you um, shut down behaviour like that or how you show that it's not acceptable to you. Um, so, yeah, I really encourage um, starting anywhere, you know. Uh, it could be, oh, oh, that was a, that was a bit strange. That, that comment made me feel a bit weird. And then that gives you the line into a conversation that might go a little bit further. But I think it really is just about saying anything to begin with so that the conversation is had and so that it's not just skipped over and we get back to our cocktail and pretend like everything's fine and somebody hasn't just said something completely racist. Yeah. And I think some of that kind of racism can be the hardest to call out for for some people, you know, when it's when you're on social media, it's very easy to have, you know, oh, just quickly look something up that'll be in a post on this comment, or you don't know the person at the other end, so you feel more comfortable calling out the behaviour. Um, just mm. as it's as equally as easy to be racist in an online space because you're protected by the keyboard. Um, mm. When you you know when you're at Christmas lunch table or you're d- down the pub with your mates or whatever, um, if you're having these thoughts about calling out harmful commentary. Um, how do how can I guess how can we bolster our community to call it out amongst friends and family? You know the people closest to us that it might be hard to pull them up. Again, this is <laughs> this is just my advice, and I'm not speaking uh, for anyone but myself. Um, but again, it just it it goes back to saying something, anything in that scenario. That's going to be different for each of us because we, we all have a different way of communicating, right? I'm pretty good at cutting straight to the point and um, using humour. Um, but for you uh, or anybody else, it might be as simple as just making a noise, like even like a, whoa, Uncle So-and-so, that was a lot. <laughs> um, and that can, that can be your road into the conversation. Um, but... Again, it's about practicing how you do that and um, finding the way that it works best for you. Uh, and also uh, making sure you're, you're around people who do that so that you can you know, use them as an example. If you're, if you're in a scenario where you're in situations like that a lot and nothing's being said, um, you might need to have a little look at the circles you're keeping, including your family. Mm. You know, um, if you're not noticing anybody say anything, um, quite a lot around you, 
uh, that says a little bit about the circles you're keeping and, and whether or not you actually align with these people that you're spending time with. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, Sam, the, the other day I was chatting with um, uh, about the topic of this this forum, this event that we're going to be hosting. I was chatting with a friend who's a drag performer who's also black and queer, and they were talking about kind of the intersection of racism and homophobia and misogyny that they experience, you know, sometimes feeling unsafe in some black spaces for being gay, discriminated mm. against some men in gay spaces for being too femme because of their drag, which can make, you know, dating obviously a struggle for them. How impactful is that intersectionality when it comes to your experience uh, and, and I guess the peers in your spaces? For me, I think I, I've met at many an intersection <laughs> for my whole life. Um, so uh, I am had to unlearn uh, needing to code switch, I think. Um, and needing to uh, slightly alter the way I present myself to be more tolerable in certain situations or to even to feel more safe in certain situations. For me, uh, I mean, part of my journey has been um, uh, learning how to be most authentically myself um, in whatever scenario I'm presented, but also learning how to look after myself and knowing um, what scenarios I would like to put myself in and what scenarios I wouldn't. Um, and avoiding spaces where I, I can't be my true self. That's not something that I want to do these days. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, for, for someone, uh, you, you dropped a really interesting point there around, you know, sometimes that feeling that need to code switch. For, for someone that hasn't yeah. used or encountered that term before, what does code switching mean and, and how and why do people use it to kind of, I guess, keep safe? So I guess code switching would be, you know, uh, presenting a bit more mask um, in a certain scenario, a family scenario, because, um, you know, it, it doesn't feel safe to be your normal beautiful self uh it also um could be uh me putting on my best private uh high school voice when i get pulled over by the police because i know that's going to serve me well um and make sure i'm not getting in trouble or at risk or in danger in that scenario um, that's something I've had to learn to do since I was 14, I think. Mm. Um, so many different ways that we have to code switch in uh, certain scenarios. But, um, yeah, uh, what I've been loving is, as I get older, knowing how to look after myself so I can avoid some of those if I need to. And that brings us, I guess, to this question again of what we're talking about is safe spaces. And I just... Listening to you, Sam, you know, it's been occurring to me how we have a lot more safe spaces than we did, you know, even you know five years ago. But still, there is there is still so many places where people um, from a whole range of different backgrounds are just not safe. So I'm just on 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 that issue, you know, as it is midsummer pride season, how should we be looking after each other over this time? I think we should be looking after each other by loving and supporting and celebrating each other. And uh, also looking at 
maybe putting ourselves in uh, different spaces than we're used to. You know, if, if we're used to being in a certain space, then a, a great way to celebrate how beautifully diverse the queer community is, is to maybe like explore a, a different space, go to um, an event that you wouldn't usually be at, uh, meet some of the people there, chat to them, have a dance with them, um, tell them how fabulous they are. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, love and support and cheering each other on. Yeah, And that's such great advice, getting out of your comfort zone. Because, you know, there's something really beautiful about making yourself vulnerable. And in that, you become empowered. And, and you know, I just think, you know, a lot, a lot of empathy comes from doing that. That's, that's great advice. Mm, agreed. Um, now, of course, we do have the event uh, happening on Tuesday, the 7th of February. Um, registrations are open on the Midsummer website, midsummer.org.au, um, which Sam will be uh, along to, as well as a cavalcade of other community voices sharing their personal narratives. Um, but as well as that event, um, Sam, you've got a couple of other gigs on your roster coming up. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about. On A couple of days later, on February 9th, you're going to be at the Malt House with your show. Can you tell us what's on offer there? Yeah, so um, on February 9th, we'll be presenting uh, a concert version of my show, Reckoning, to Waiata Paihere Wairua, which means the sounds of woven souls. And um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a beautiful night of uh, music and storytelling and celebration of indig- Indigenous mobs from Aotearoa, New Zealand, and also so-called Australia. And then, yeah, on the 11th, we have, speaking of uh, putting yourself in different spaces, we have my company's inter-indigenational kiki called Auntie, which is a queer First Nations party, which is open to everybody, but uh, we're centering First Nations folk. Um, That's on the 11th. And then uh, we'll be closing the Bertrand Street stage for Vic Pride with uh, a new project called Honour, which is, yeah, a half-hour extravaganza of queer black excellence. And then I fly up to Sydney to do um, World Pride. I'm performing at the Black and Deadly Gala at the Sydney Opera House, you know, with some other uh, amazingly talented artists who are way um, just out there doing the good stuff. Jessica Malboy, Electric Fields, um, Casey Donovan, Stephen Oliver's hosting it. So it's a bit of a cavalcade yeah. that uh, that event. I was looking at some of the roster and I was a bit blown away by how how many exceptional people are going to be uh, at that event. Yeah, it's pretty next level. I'm I'm just a touch excited about that one because I've never performed my own music at the Opera House, and I think if I was ever going to do it, bit of a bucket um, list item, yeah. <laughs> probably uh, the lineup and the place and um, the gig. Yeah, I'm really really excited about that one. Perfect. Well, again, you're a very busy person. You've got a lot on your roster at the moment. So thank you for taking the time to chat with us today, Sam. And of course, for joining us on Tuesday, the 7th of February at the Victorian Pride Centre Theatrette for Midsummer to talk about having no pride in racism. 
Uh, Sam Gaskin, thank you so much for joining us. Lastly, where can we get a hold of you if we want to find you on socials or, or connect with your activities you've got going on? Uh, if you want to find me on the socials of the media, um, the gram is the best place to start, Instagram, and it's at Samuel Gaskin Music, S-A-M-U-E-L-G-A-S-K-I-N. And I've got one of those um, fancy little link tree things, so you can just click on that, and it's got um, all of the things that I'm up to. Um, and I try and keep it updated. So um, that's a good place to go. Fantastic. Thank you again, Sam, for joining us here on Joy to talk about the event coming up on Tuesday, the 7th of February, No Pride in Racism, happening for Midsummer. We'll let you go. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.